Burt Reynolds is Hooper, and Hooper is a real hero. He can take more crashes. Oh, jeez! More fire. Ah! Hello, gorgeous. More love. More hits. He can take more risks and have more fun than anyone can imagine. This is Hooper, the story of the greatest stuntman of them all. And his competition. Wait a year and a half to meet you. How's that? I get to perform with Sonny Hooper. Oh, hell, that ain't no big deal. I mean... Burt Reynolds. Jan Michael Vincent. Sally Field. I'm yours. Brian Keith. James Best. Robert Klein. And Terry Bradshaw. In Hooper's world, talk is cheap. And life is cheaper. We may be in trouble. A stunt is a gag, and a gag is no laughing matter. Building falls on you, crushes you, fade out the end. Great, Roger. Of course, we'll have a dozen cameras going. And when the director yells, Action! Go! 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 He really means action. Cooper's in a dangerous business, but his reward is excitement, adventure, and a fortune if he lives to collect it. Burt Reynolds is Hooper, the greatest stuntman alive. I love stuntmen. Hooper, the newest movie from the team that brought you Smokey and the Bandit. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. I'm your host, Scott White. And what are we looking at this time? We're looking at the movie Hooper from 1978, starring Burt Reynolds, Jan Michael Vincent, and Sally Field. And we open up with the credits, and it's actually produced by Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds is Hooper. That's the opening title. You get the name before the credits, Burt Reynolds is Hooper. And then we get the rest of the credits, and Sally Field is third build in this movie, which I found odd because she was a really big star at the time. She took her name under the title and third build because at that point she was in a relationship with Burt Reynolds, and they enjoyed working together. While the opening credits are going, we see Burt Reynolds suiting up for a stunt. See him putting on all of his protective gear, and they're showing his body, and they're showing all the scars. They're making it known that his body has been through a lot through these opening credits. And it's directed by Hal Needleman, who directed a bunch of Burt Reynolds movies, mostly having to do with uh, fast cars and stunts, which this movie is about. I just want to say that Burt Reynolds was a stuntman when he first started off in Hollywood, so he got his start in stunts. I don't know if that had anything to do with this movie, why he wanted to have it made, but he did. And I just want to say, this movie was made in 1978. This is when Burt Reynolds was at the height of his stardom. There was nobody bigger in 1978 than Burt Reynolds. It's hard to imagine. Burt Reynolds was a huge, huge box office star year after year after year in the late 70s and early 80s. And uh, we see him. He gets into his um, a motorcycle outfit, and he drives a motorcycle onto the set of a film. This is where we meet the character. Robert Klein plays the director of the film that Burt Reynolds is stunting in the movie. So in this movie, we have a movie within a movie. They're making a spy movie, which Burt Reynolds is doing stunts on. And the star of the movie in the movie is Adam Batman West. And this was 1978. 
So this was 10 years after Batman. This was a limbo time for Adam West. He was uh, doing a lot of B-movies, a lot of softcore porn. He was in one of those, uh, not Amelia, but I can't think of the name of it, but he was in one of those softcore porno things you'd watch on Showtime. It had to be bittersweet. He was in a, a movie, but his billing was way, way down, and now he's playing the star, quote-unquote, the star of a film in a movie where he's nowhere near to be the star of the film. I don't know how all that was processing in his brain, because this was well, well, well before his comeback with Family Guy. As I mentioned, Robert Klein is the director of this film, and he is a pompous ass in this movie. He's one of these young directors. He's playing a young director whose last film made it over $100 million, so now the studio is giving him carte blanche to make the movie that he wants. And that's what he's doing. Burt Reynolds does the motorcycle stunt. He slides under a semi-truck and uh, hits a median and flips over into the bushes. Cut! Stunt done. And then James Best walks over to him. And you may know him as Roscoe P. Cotrain from the Dukes of Hazard. And in this movie, James Best and Burt Reynolds play best friends. He's on the movie. I believe he was a stuntman on the, he's supposed to be a stuntman on the movie, but I never see him do any stunts and he's a bit old to be doing stunts. It's never really I at first I thought he was Burt Reynolds' gopher, Burt Reynolds' assistant, but something happens later that turns out that that's not what it is. Anyway, James Best comes and fishes him off the motorcycle. They start, you know, they start palling around and Burt Reynolds turns to him and says, uh, you got anything? Burt Reynolds' back is hurting. They're really pushing that Burt Reynolds has abused his body over the years. And he gets these pain pills from James Best. And he takes them. James Best tries to get him to see the doctor and Burt Reynolds refuses. And then they start hopping around and clowning around together. I'm going to say this right now. This movie, Hooper, has no plot. Has no plot whatsoever. Okay. It's just basically one gag after another, one stunt gag after another with Burt Reynolds and Jan Michael Vincent and whoever's in the scene. It's sort of like, it reminds me of a Marx Brothers movie where there's no plot, but it's just there for them to do their bits. This is here for Burt Reynolds to be charming. And let me tell you, when Burt Reynolds is charming, there's no more charming person in the world. Burt Reynolds carries this movie with his charm. He carries a lot of movies with his charm. Now we go to Burt Reynolds is coming home to his ranch. He's living with Sally Field. Sally Field greets him at the door with a beer, a Coors beer. Uh, evidently, Coors sponsored this movie because in every single scene where there's drinking going on, there is a can of Coors in the frame. And Burt Reynolds must have had a deal with a Coors because in his Smokey and the Bandit, movies he in his first one he had to he had to run a bunch of Coors beer uh so Burt Reynolds and Coors beers there, there's a lot of things that you see in a lot of Burt Reynolds movies in this movie and this is the first one Coors beer Coors beer Coors beer Burt Reynolds and Sally Field have sort of a fight it's a it's not a fight but it's a cutesy fight uh she just wants him to be a little more attentive around uh, the house a little more attentive to her you also see a little bit of worry about him. She found out that his back got hurt. 
So that's going to lay the seeds of what's going to happen later in the film. We cut back to the studio. It's the next day, and Adam West is supposed to do this stunt where he he slides on a wire, a zip line. And during the zip line, he's supposed to drop into this airbag. I always found this, I've seen this movie four or five times. It, it just struck me, it just tickled me, that this movie is, they set up a scene with Adam West, and then they have to cut, and then they have to bring Burt Reynolds in to do the stunt, and then they have to, after they bring Burt Reynolds in, they have to bring the real stuntman in, who's going to do the real stunt, and then afterwards, they have to go back and put Burt Reynolds to where the stuntman went. So there was a lot of work to make Burt Reynolds look like Adam West doing a stunt that he's not doing. Everybody follow that? So he's going to be ziplining, and for some reason... He's supposed to be holding a dog. And he gets approached by somebody from the Humane Society. And this guy's name, I, I, George Firth. I'll say this. Burt Reynolds is the first man I realized. I know what happens now with Adam Sandler. But Burt Reynolds was the first guy who kept using the same people over and over and over again. You say the same people over and over and over again in Burt Reynolds' movie. And this is one uh, you see George Firth again in Cannonball Run. And in this movie he's playing somebody from the humane society he wants to make sure that the dog is not going to be hurt and they assure george firth that they're not going to use a real dog they're going to use a stuffed dog well they lied to him robert klein's assistant on the movie is this little five foot can't be more than five foot five five foot six guy he's always yelling into a megaphone and he's sort of the sneaky wormy guy that gets all the dirty stuff done and he's the one who tells Burt Reynolds to use a real dog in the drop. Which happens. They do the stunt. He drops with the dog. He hits the air mattress. The guy from the Humane Society goes bonkers and starts yelling at Hooper, yelling at Burt Reynolds, saying that they told him that he was going to do the stunt with the dog. The little punk-ass assistant blamed Burt Reynolds told the Humane Society guy that he was the one who was going to do the fall with the dog, that the director and him didn't want to do it. It was all Burt Reynolds' fault. What does this mean later? Nothing. It just sets up that this guy's a real slime ball. Well, once again, Burt Reynolds' back is hurting from the fall. And this time, he's not taking pills. He asks James Best if he has his bag. And then we cut to a scene where James Best is injecting Burt Reynolds. Maybe it was a fake needle, but I almost guarantee that this was real, that James Best gave Burt Reynolds a shot. And it's really the two actors, because you see a close-up. Somebody's putting the needle in somebody's back ass, and you think, okay, they're going to cut. But no, what they don't, they don't cut. They pan back, and it's Burt Reynolds and James Best. So whatever happened there happened in one take. If it was a fake needle, it looked great. If it was real, kudos for them for making it look real. And I must say, the chemistry, actually the chemistry between the whole the whole team is great, but the chemistry between Burt Reynolds and James Best is excellent. They're the core, they have the core friendship in this movie. And if you don't believe that friendship, you're not going to believe a lot of the movie. And you believe this friendship. They have a lot, a lot of chemistry together. Like this scene right here. Come on, let's go to the doctors. I hate doctors. You ain't as scared of nothing that walks, talks, or digs holes. Why are you scared of doctors? Scared of dentists, too. I'll tell you what you're scared of. 
You're scared of what he's going to take. No oh, balls. Yeah. Balls, balls, cried the queen. To him eventually Look, anyway. I'll buy you a drink. I'll tell you what, I'll buy you the drink I was going to buy you last night. If you'll just do me your Jimmy Stewart imitation, just do a little Jimmy Stewart for me. Oh, well, 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 that's well, a good well. Hey, I'll do Jimmy Stewart, and you, you do uh, Roy Rogers' sidekick. Roy, you said? <laughs> yeah. You know, Roy, Roy is a good old boy, but he... Good. He had trigger stuff for you. Know? Yeah. So when you die, I'm going to have you... You wouldn't. Yeah, I'm going to stuff everything but your old wing dinger there. Well, th th that, that's the part that needs stuffing. You ought to stuff that every night. Well, I'll leave that up to you. I'm a little mm. too old for it. Well, it's... I ain't going to hold it, I'll tell you that. No, hell no. <laughs> We cut back to Burt Reynolds' home, and there's a stuntman sitting there with Sally Field. And uh, Burt Reynolds shows up, and the stuntman asks him to perform in a stuntman benefit show. And it's for some kids' club or something like that. Burt Reynolds says, no, I'm going to motocross. And then this guy brings out a little kid from the boys' club, and they end up convincing Burt Reynolds to do the stunt show that Saturday. So now we're showing that Burt Reynolds has a good heart, which I think we all knew from the beginning of this movie. We cut to the stunt show, and here's where we're first introduced to Brian Keith. Brian Keith, once again, you see him in other Burt Reynolds movies, uh, Sharky's Machine, and he was, uh, most famous role, he was uh, on Family Affair on television. <clears throat> but in this movie, he's playing Sally Field's father, and also a seasoned stuntman. We look through this movie, we see generation, generation, generation. That's what this movie is about. This movie is about, I said it didn't have a plot. It really doesn't have a plot, but the main theme of the movie is there's always going to be somebody younger and better to replace you eventually. Enjoy what you have while you have it. And we see the stunt show. There's a lot of great stunts with uh, horses and carriages, gunfights, all that. A lot of cowboy stuff in this. And we see Burt Reynolds show up on his horse. Burt Reynolds does minor stunts in this movie. Not enough to get him hurt, but enough to make it look good when they're cutting the stunts together. And in this one, he's on his horse, and his horse goes up in the air, and Burt Reynolds is on the back of the horse, and he's waving. That was all done. That was all Burt Reynolds. There was no stunt people in that. And now we see Jan Michael Vincent make his entrance. And he comes from a plane, he starts to parachute from a plane, and then he clips his parachute off, and he free falls into an airbag. And that's how he makes his entrance into the stunt show. Jan Michael Vincent is the hot new stunt guy on the lot. Right now, Burt Reynolds is the greatest stuntman in the world, and Brian Keith was the greatest stuntman in the world before Burt Reynolds came along. Now Burt Reynolds is seeing what's happening to him when he sees Jan Michael Vincent come along. He's a little jealous of Jan Michael Vincent, and there's supposed to be a chariot race between Jan Michael Vincent and this other stuntman. So Burt Reynolds cons this other stuntman to leave the chariot, and Burt Reynolds takes over the chariot, and he races Jan Michael Vincent in this chariot race. And this is what I was talking about earlier. Obviously, there's some stunt people in this scene. However, Jan Michael Vincent and Burt Reynolds do enough of their own stunts to make the cutting of the stunts look really real. You could not tell which was stunts and which was not, because... Uh, Burt Reynolds and Jan Michael Vincent did enough to lock your eye in. To like, oh, wow, that, that, that really could be them. 
They did a good job shooting that scene. They did a, they did a good job editing that scene. And Burt Reynolds and Jan Michael Vincent uh, did a good job uh, stunting that scene. And the stunt person who did the actual stunts did a great job too. And Burt Reynolds rides away on his horse. And before he does, he tells his horse to poop in Jan Michael Vincent's car. And this scene reminds me of a scene in a later Clint Eastwood comedy, uh, Any Which Way You Can or Any Which Way But Loose, one of Any Which Way But Loose, I believe it was, where Clyde the Gorilla uh, craps in a car. All the people, all the stunt people are driving to the bar. They're driving to the bar while they're drinking. This movie is full of drinking and driving. That is one thing that would never fly today but it was pretty prominent back in the late 70s. Drinking and driving being funny. And it was was done a lot in this movie. So all the stunt people are driving to the bar. And all the stunt people are drinking cores. More cores. Cores, cores, cores. They're all drinking cores on the way to the bar. And a cop pulls them over for doing their shenanigans on the highway. This was a cool scene and then a dumb scene all in the same scene. In all Burt Reynolds movies just about all, where he's not playing a cop, he is messing with cops in one way or another. He is screwing with them. And it's kind of odd because in his comedies, he's messing with cops, and in his drama, he usually is playing cops. Uh, So I, I don't really follow the juxtaposition. I don't know what he has against cop in comedies, but it is for cops in dramas. And always, and this is what always bugged me in movies like this, we always make the cops out to be the bad guys when the cops are doing the right thing. And when the stuntman, and let me make this clear, the stunt people in this scene are 100% wrong. The stunt people driving to the bar are being jerks, are being dicks. Burt Reynolds is being an asshole. In this scene, he's being a lovable asshole, but he's being an asshole. Well, they pull him over, and they actually give him a ticket, which you don't usually see in these movies. Usually see in these movies, there's a car chase, and the police car goes off the side of the road, and the sheriff is outstanding, shaking his fist. But this one, they actually give him a ticket, and it's a motorcycle cop. These other stuntmen attach this wire to a telephone pole, and then Burt Reynolds casually attaches the other end to the uh, motorcycle cop's belt. And they all drive away, and the motorcycle cop drives away, and he's pulled off the bike, and the bike goes, you know, careening away. Okay, I know what, I mean, I know that was the joke, and I know, but just look at, okay, one, this person is not a real stunt person. That could have killed him. Two, the bike went flying. That could have killed somebody. Three, he just gave you a ticket. He knows your address and he knows your name. Why would you do that? But this is movies, no repercussion. We get the ha-ha joke, hey, we almost killed an innocent man. Off to the bar. And they go to a country bar. Another theme in Burt Reynolds movies, Burt Reynolds loves country music. The background singing and the background themes in a bunch of his movies are country music. That's what we have here. They're at the bar they're eating they have a big table full of stuntmen they're being loud and now we see a very very young very very toupeed terry bradshaw terry bradshaw the pittsburgh steelers 
Was he? Yeah, he was still in the league at the time. 78. He was. Yeah. He puts some money in a jukebox, and then he gets mad because he can't hear the jukebox because all the stuntmen are being loud. So Terry Bradshaw and this other guy, whose name I don't know, but is also in Cannonball Run. So this guy and Terry Bradshaw are in Cannonball Run. We continue the, the streak of people being in a bunch of Burt Reynolds movies. Terry Bradshaw gets in Burt Reynolds' face. I want my 50 cents back. That's how much money he put into the jukebox. And Terry Bradshaw and uh, Burt Reynolds sort of get into it here. Hey, Granddad, hey, Granddad, I got 50 cents in that jukebox, and all I can hear is your mouth clapping. What'd you say, son? I'm a Mike D. I said I got 50 cents in that jukebox, and all I can hear is your mouth clapping. You hear that? <laughs> now, we figure you us 50 cents. You guys from out of town? Uh-huh. Houston. Oh, yeah? What are you doing here? Convention. Convention? What kind of convention? Convention of assholes? <laughs> A SWAT convention. Oh. A SWAT convention. Well, Burt Reynolds... I'll get your 50 cents back. And he, he grabs a, a bike helmet, a motorcycle helmet, and he runs into the jukebox and he smashes a jukebox and he comes back with 50 cents. Okay, once again, Burt Reynolds is being an asshole. He's being a lovable asshole, but he's being an asshole. This is a bar that he frequents. This is a bar where he knows the owner. This is the bar where he knows the staff. Why would you ruin their jukebox like that just for a joke? You're destroying property of friends of yours. Friends... These are, this is movie friendship, not real friendship. In real friendship, if you destroyed something that a friend of yours owned, they you'd feel awful, but no. And then afterwards, the obligatory barroom fight. So all the stuntmen are battling Terry Bradshaw and his table. They were SWAT team members. So it's the SWAT team versus the stuntmen. Boom, ba boom ba boom ba boom Battling it out. Now. This is where I'm talking about where Burt Reynolds does some of his minor stunts. There is a scene where Burt Reynolds is thrown through a window out into the garbage onto the street. It's Burt Reynolds because they don't cut. You see him come through the window. You see him come to a stop. It was really him. And the same thing with Terry Bradshaw. He gets thrown through the window and he comes to a stop. I don't know how thrilled the Pittsburgh Steelers were that if he was doing this you know, during the offseason. Once again... It's a movie barroom fight because they're all friends. Hey, we just beat the crap out of each other. Let's all shake hands and go back to Burt Reynolds' house and, and drink some more, which is exactly what you do because that's what happens in real life, isn't it, folks? After you get into a huge barroom fight where you destroy the bar of a friend of yours, you're all nice and pally-pally with the people who just knocked your front teeth out. We go back to Burt Reynolds' house. Everybody's there. Everybody's passed out except for Burt Reynolds and Jan Michael Vincent. We're watching movies of Burt Reynolds' old stunts. And one of the movie clips is from Deliverance, where he's going down the river. So they, they put that in there, which was nice. And now we sort of get the contemplating in this movie. You know, Jan Michael Vincent wants to be Burt Reynolds. And then all of a sudden, uh, Brian Keith wakes up. Brian Keith is telling Burt Reynolds that he has to watch Jan Michael Vincent because he's coming up on him. And then Burt Reynolds and Brian Keith step outside and they start talking about... And Brian Keith asks, when are you going to marry my daughter? It was a nice moment between two veteran actors. You know, Burt Reynolds gets a lot of crap for... They say he just plays Burt Reynolds in a lot of his movies, but this was a nice scene between him and Brian Keith. 
Now, they do use the F word because they're talking about marriage. And they say, hey, everybody's getting married. Even F words are getting married. That, was, that word was still pretty prominent in the late 70s and early 80s. It gets thrown around a lot. And uh, they throw it around in that scene. And when you hear it through 2020 years, it's just like, ah, geez. I mean, I know he didn't mean anything by it, but, ooh, that's just rough. Cut to the next day. They're back on the movie set. We establish more that Robert Klein is a jerk in this movie. Burt Reynolds shows up hungover. James Best shows up hungover. Once again, I don't know what James Best is doing on this movie. But Jan Michael Vincent, who is uh, not drinking at this point, shows up on an electric skateboard. In a drunken stupor, Burt Reynolds uh, told him to report to work. So Burt Reynolds uh, offered Jan Michael Vincent a job last night, and he's here, and he's on the film. Because Burt Reynolds is the stunt coordinator on the film, so I guess he's able to hire and fire whoever he wants uh, for the movie. We see a car stunt. A bunch of cars are racing around, and they don't... They barely miss each other. After the stunt is over, Robert Klein tells Burt Reynolds that he's not happy with it. Burt Reynolds is like, what do you want me to do? And then Jan Michael Vincent pops up and says, uh, I have an idea. Robert Klein's like, who are you? And Burt Reynolds like, he's a new guy. He's good. Even if you were a new guy, that takes a lot of balls just to pipe up in front of the guy who just gave you a job and the director. It's like, I know what we do in this situation. Burt Reynolds is cool enough to let it happen, and Robert Klein just wants something different. So they're going to set up a different stunt for later at night. Then we find out that it's uh, Robert Klein's birthday. Everybody pitches in, and there's a small scene where they buy him. It's either a hooker or a stripper. But she pops out of the box, uh, no top, big boobs, and just hugs him, and you can tell that Robert Klein is not happy about this. So we're going to the stunt, the stunt that Jan Michael Vincent came up, and it's a fire stunt. Now, here's what I didn't understand. It was a fire stunt. It looked nothing like the stunt that they didn't like. The stunt is, there's a bunch of, they set these cars on fire, Jan Michael Vincent and Burt Reynolds are dressed like monks, they, st- they set everybody on fire, they have to go rescue a woman out of a car. What did that have to do with the stunt that they didn't like? Nothing! So did they rewrite the script to fit the stunt in? Does not make sense at all. After the stunt goes well, Robert Klein asks Burt Reynolds, who's doing the uh, this big stunt tomorrow? And Burt Reynolds tells him who it is, and Robert Klein says, I'd like uh, Jan Michael Vincent. I'd like him to do it. And Burt Reynolds tries to flex his, he goes, well, I'm the stunt coordinator and I don't want him to do it. And Robert Klein basically says, I'm the director, screw you, he's going to do it. So there's more animosity between Burt Reynolds and Robert Klein on this movie. And the scene the next day is where this man has to rappel down the side of a building. And they have Jan Michael Vincent. It's just basically, he hops off the building and he repels, 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 repels down the building. And Burt Reynolds and James Best are really, really impressed with him. I'm not a stunt person. It looked like a stunt that anybody uh, could have done. I don't know why they made this stunt. The one was like, ooh, ah. I think they should have made a bigger, you know, just more death-defying stunt to make it, oh, wow, this kid is good. We've established that he's good. 
and we've established that he's hopped out of helicopters, rappelling down the side of a building, to me, is a sort of a, a step back. We're not seeing the progression of the stunts. We're seeing the re regression of stunts. But they're impressed. Jan Michael Vincent is happy that they like what he's done. Now, Burt Reynolds tells Jan Michael Vincent, it's come back tomorrow, and I'll show you how an old man does it. And that's what he does. Now, Burt Reynolds is jumping out of a helicopter. According to the movie, or in the movie, he's going to set a new freefall record uh, from a helicopter. So we see Burt Reynolds, he drives up in a car, he hops into a helicopter, the helicopter goes up to however high it's going to go, uh, we see Burt Reynolds, once again, he's doing partial stunts. He's on the outside of a helicopter that's flying. It's probably not that high off the ground. You know, he is doing a sort of a stunt, which helps match the stunt with the real stunt person. Burt Reynolds doing partial stunts in this movie really, really, really helps put this movie together. It really helps this movie look good. And Burt Reynolds hits the airbag, and everybody comes out, and everybody's happy. New world record, new free-to-fall record. Burt Reynolds goes over to James Best, and he tells him to, uh, to get me to the hospital. And they get him to the hospital. The doctor's looking at his x-rays. And apparently he's done a ton of operations on Burt Reynolds. And they're all falling apart, because Burt Reynolds keeps abusing his body. And this is what the doctor tells him. Look, Sonny, I'm serious. Good. You can't keep bashing the bejesus out of your backbone <laughs> and expect to go walking around like a normal human being. Listen, listen, I can handle it. I'm a tough guy, you know what I mean? Give it to me, sweetheart. Don't pull any punches. The kid can take it. I mean, the kid could take it. Only you're not a kid any longer. Look, <laughs> Sonny, I'm gonna level with you. Huh? One good impact here. No. You understand? You're gonna be paralyzed from the neck down Nothing moves. Nothing? <laughs> yeah, even your ding-dong. <laughs> Look, Sonny, I'm not saying it'll happen, but you could die. Well, my ding-dong ain't gonna work. I don't, I don't want to live. And in the scene, Burt Reynolds is playing it goofy and he's playing it funny, but I think that is just, you know, a front he's putting up. I think he's really, really scared of what may happen to him. And he's just covering up with jokes and laughter. We go to the next day at the set. They're all playing poker. Adam West is there. The stuntmen are there. They're playing poker. And we see this guy just screech off the lot. And that's the writer. Robert Klein, the director, is now rewriting the movie because of all these great, great stunts that they're that, that Burt Reynolds and Jan Michael Vincent is doing. I'm going to say that I've, they're, they're competent stunts, but I've not seen any of the stunts that they've done, which has knocked my socks off. But apparently those stunts are socks knocking off-ish. Because Robert Klein wants more stunts and, and bigger stunts for this movie, and he's rewriting the movie, and the, the writer is pissed, and he drives off. And then the producer of the movie comes in and tells him that they've done it. They've, you know, they put this bee in Robert Klein's bonnet. He wants more and more stunts. Robert Klein meets with Burt Reynolds and Jan Michael Vincent. And I don't, and this is the thing. Burt Reynolds is the stunt choreographer on this film. But all of a sudden, Jan Michael Vincent is, he's on the set for two days and he's this, he's this big shot. 
I mean, he might be good, but does he really get a, a chance, a shot at this point, just to spout off his ideas? Because here comes another one. The director, Robert Klein, is talking about the ending of his film. There's going to be a giant earthquake, and things are going to be falling, and they're going to be driving through, and they're going to reach this bridge that's been blown up. And Robert Klein wants them to rappel down the bridge and up the other side. And Jan Michael Vincent comes up with the idea, why don't we jump the gorge? And they go, that's 325 feet. And Burt Reynolds goes, a rocket car. So if we build a rocket car, we'll be able to jump the gorge. And then he says, if we do this stunt, it's worth $100,000. $50,000 for me, $50,000 for Jan Michael Vincent. So apparently in 1978, $50,000 was life-changing money. And maybe it was, but 1970, I know it's a long time ago, but it's not a long time ago. But I guess $50,000 is all he needs to get out of the stunt business because he said this is going to be his last stunt. Robert Klein doesn't want this, so he sends his short little assistant, the one I was talking about before, the one who's the sleazy one, to talk him down. The short little assistant gets into the car with Burt Reynolds, and Burt Reynolds starts taking off through the back lot, through all the sets, through Western sets and stuff like that. And once again, this is Burt Reynolds being an asshole. A charming asshole, but an asshole. He's ruining people's shots. He's ruining people's... I've been on a very few movie sets, but I know it takes a long time to set up a shot, and all this guy's just coming through and, rest, and, and messing up your day's work. I don't care how charming you are. That's just... Don't do that. And he scares the little guy so much in the car that $50,000, that'll be fine. That was the point of the whole car thing. To make him agree to the $50,000, which they do. We cut to the hospital. And Sally Field is in the hospital. Brian Keith, her father, has had a stroke, fallen down in the bathtub, broken his knee. Burt Reynolds has this talk with him. This, I don't know why this scene, I, I mean, I know why this scene is in the movie. It's, it's to bring Burt Reynolds and Sally Field closer. But he's supposed to have had a stroke. But Burt Reynolds talks to him, and he seems fine. He seems like he just has a broken leg, but then Sally Field says he may never walk again. But you don't get that from the scene. You get from the scene that Brian Keith is, is just doing okay. He's not struggling at all with his lines. He's not struggling. He's... I was... The scene just that did not carry weight with me. And what happens later in the film is going to, to prove me right. I mean, the scene was put in there to have a nice scene between Burt Reynolds and Sally Field, which is a nice scene. They confess their love to each other. Really, really nice. Uh, but the whole, you know, Brian Keith having a stroke could have been left out of the movie, my opinion. And this is a scene where he tells Sally Field, it's like, I'm going to quit. I'm just going to finish this movie, and this is my last movie, and I'm going to quit. And maybe, maybe that's why they have Brian Keith there. Maybe Burt Reynolds seeing Brian Keith in that position going to get him to quit I don't know maybe that's why but we cut back to the house and James Best is in the house Burt Reynolds house and he's drunk because he's been fired fired from what I don't know like I said I didn't know what his job was but he's been fired and I think this was done by the director to get Burt Reynolds to come down on his price I think 
it's never mentioned, but that's what he wants. But James Best is sort of cool with being fired. He's just, he's been, he's drunk on tequila and he's just rambling. I guess he, he's just thinking I'll be on the next movie or whatever. But he does let out of the bag the big rocket car stunt that Burt Reynolds and Jan Michael Vincent is doing. And Burt Reynolds, he told Sally Field that he was quitting, but he didn't tell her that he was doing this giant, giant stunt. And that does not sit too well with her, and it does not sit too well with Burt Reynolds that James Best spilled the beans. Do something for me. Give you some good advice. Good. Get off the damn picture before you get hurt. Oh, Cully, he told me this is his last picture. After this, no more. Oh, sure. If there's anything left of him after this picture. Cully. What does that mean? Oh, you didn't tell her, did no, you? No, I didn't tell he her. He didn't tell you? Naughty, naughty. He didn't tell you about the big, bad rocket car stunt? Will you stop it. No. What stunt? Oh, well, I'm going to let him fill in the details. Why don't you I'm just mind your own business? Why well, don't just drink well, your tequila? I do want to tell you one thing while I'm still drunk on your tequila. Oh, shit. I went to see his doctor. Oh, shit. No, I, I went to see his doctor. Ask him... Ask him what's going to happen to him when they when he lands on that rocket car over there across the gorge. How hard it's going to hit. Sonny, what is he talking about? Burt Reynolds punches out James Best and he leaves. And then we cut to a bar where Burt Reynolds is drunk and he's trying to pick up his friend's wife. He's being an asshole. Once again, a charming asshole, but an asshole. You put this movie together... As I said, Burt Reynolds is... I don't think any other actor, or very few actors, I should say, can get away with what he did in this movie. Being a total jerk, and you're still on his side, through the whole movie. And that's what he does. He tries. If somebody tried to hit on my wife or my girlfriend, even if I've known him for 50 years, I, no, you don't do that. That's just wrong. We cut back to the, to the ranch, and Sally Field is alone in her bed, and she wakes up, and she sees Burt Reynolds riding around his horse at midnight or at night. And they have another uh, moment out in the field. And I think this is when he he comes to his senses. It's like, I'm not going to do the rocket car stunt. He goes back to the Robert Klein and tells him that he's not going to do the stunt. And Robert Klein's fine. Every, you know, I'll get another guy to do it. It's, apparently, the stunt is so special that only Jan Michael Vincent and Burt Reynolds can do it. Only He says only three people in the world can do it. And Jan Michael Vincent, a rookie is one of those people. Not all these... So three people can do it. Apparently all these other experienced stuntmen are just crap if they can't do this stunt. But Jan Michael Vincent, who's a newbie, can do it. There's a scene between uh, James Best and Burt Reynolds at a bar where we once again, he's talking about how Jan Michael Vincent, how all these young stuntmen are creeping up on him. I, if there is an underlining thing about this movie, it's your mortality and... Always, there's always somebody to replace you. We keep bringing that up, that up during the movie, and uh, we cut the Burt Reynolds home, and he's working out. And the producer, the producer was originally on Burt Reynolds' side. If you don't want to do the stunt, don't do the stunt. It's not worth your life. We'll we'll, we'll do something else. Well, now apparently the producer didn't have uh, the pull that he thought, and they're putting the screws to him. And now the producer comes to Burt Reynolds and asks him to do the stunt as a favor to him. And Burt Reynolds is angry, and then the anger slowly turns into, okay, I'll do it. And he walks out of the of the gym where he's working out. It was a, it was a house gym, and tells Sally Field, I'm going to do that stunt. 
Sally Field says, uh, I'm not going to be here when you get back. The stunt is more important than his relationship. Burt Reynolds goes to the studio. They check out the rocket car. Jan Michael Vincent and Burt Reynolds take it out for a spin. They show where the the, the bridge is going to be blown. Uh, and they, they show, you know, what they have to jump. And then they get drunk on what? Coors beer. That's right. They're sitting in a park drinking Coors beer in front of the rocket car. And they talk about how their marriages are going to shit, how their relationships are going to shit. And this is a really poignant scene for this reason. In this scene, Jan Michael Vincent talks about drinking and how he never drank. But now he's beginning to drink and he's beginning to enjoy it. And that becomes significant because at the end of Jan Michael Vincent's life, he was a raging alcoholic. And he died because of complications of alcohol. And he just looked awful the last years of his life. This was a young, good-looking guy that just drank himself to death. So to hear the words, I don't drink, but now I'm drinking because I like it, it's really, really an eye-opener, knowing how his life ended. Well, once again, a cop doing his job, might I add, says you're not going to drive home. First of all, well, maybe he's not doing his job because I believe open open alcohol outside is a crime, but he doesn't give him a ticket for that. And Burt Reynolds says, don't worry, I called my mother. My mother's going to pick us up. Don't worry about it. And then they end up driving the rocket car and they drive it past the cop. They flip on the rocket motor and they pull away. I remember this scene. They also did this scene in uh, in Tommy Boy with nitrous, but this was a rocket car. This was an actual rocket car. And so they zoom away, away, away from the cop. They make the cop look foolish for what? Doing his job. Now we cut to the day of the stunt. Robert Klein and Burt Reynolds and Jan Michael Vincent, they're all on this truck. And Robert Klein is telling us what he wants all the stunts to be. Robert Klein is going to be in a helicopter and he's going to catch all of these stunts in a one shot, which I believe might be utterly impossible, but that's what we're going with. He's going to be in a helicopter shooting down at the action on the ground and we're going through and Robert Klein is telling us what those guys need to do. And what happens is they're going to go back and they're going to do everything that Robert Klein told him to do. So first of all, we hear it, and then we see it. Maybe we don't hear it first, okay? I don't, that was just not needed. I don't know why that was, it would have been more exciting just to have the stunt start and to see everything start blowing up and the, the towers falling. Now that I know what's coming, yeah, it's kind of exciting, but I'd rather just had that excitement for the first time, not knowing what's coming. Knowing what's coming and then see it coming, it's just a very, very poor way of filmmaking. Now, while this is going on, uh, Sally Field, Brian Keith, and James Best all show up. And Brian Keith, he's up on crutches. He's walking around. So all that stuff about, oh, I had a stroke, and uh, maybe I can't walk. It's all nothing. Nothing. It was just so we could have a tender moment between Sally Field and Burt Reynolds. We could have done that without the without the Bryant, because in the end, it just means nothing. All right. Now, the rest of the movie is just them doing the stunts. They take off in the rocket car. Things are exploding. Things are falling. It's like a five, six-minute chase scene. 
there's nothing really to report. All the things that they said that they would do, they do. And then they get to the bridge, and the bridge is blown. Jan Michael Vincent stops at the bridge, and he's having second thoughts. My life's worth more than a piece of film. I'll tell you exactly what your life is worth. Your life is worth $50,000. That's the price you put on it when you got behind this wheel. Sonny Ski, if you do not try to make this jump, you will never work in this town again. Is that We're going, huh? We're going, yeah, we're going. You're crazy. I'm gonna hit it. Well, they hit the button, they land on the other side, there's a moment of, are they okay? Well, guess what? They're okay, everybody starts applauding. It was the world's longest jump. So, in this movie, everybody is breaking world records left and right. So, we have them, they're at the end, Burt Reynolds is back with Sally Field. Once again, that scene where, oh, we're gonna, I'm gonna leave you, means nothing, because they're back together. All these scenes in these movies, a lot of them just mean nothing because they're immediately rectified. There's no tension. There's no, if, what's going to happen? They're all rectified almost immediately. And the reason you don't remember them is because you don't care. There's, there's a very, very few stakes in this movie. As I said, this is not a plot-driven movie. And when they try to put plot in, the plot is plot. The plot is very, very weak. Well, Burt Reynolds and uh, Robert Klein. Robert Klein comes up to Burt Reynolds, pulls him aside, gives him a speech, and uh, Burt Reynolds ends up punching him in the face. And that's the end of the movie. Burt Reynolds looks at the camera, gives us the OK sign, and that's the end of the movie. And credits roll. This was before they start putting bloopers in the in the movie. And uh, that's it. That's Hooper. And what did I think of Hooper? Hooper is a Burt Reynolds movie. If you love Burt Reynolds, you're going to love this movie. If you're looking for something that's... Because it's a movie about stuntmen, but the stunts in this movie are not that... are not that groundbreaking. They're not that, you know, seat of your pants. It's like, not that, woo! They're fun stunts, but they're nothing that sets your heart a Twitter, I should say. But Burt Reynolds is fun. The chemistry between everybody on the film is fun. You get different scenes all the time. I, I would compare this movie to a uh, a hollow Easter bunny. It lo- you know it looks good on the outside, and when you taste it, it's like oh that's nice. But there's no there's nothing else there. And once you're done, you're like wow, that was uh, that was quick, and I don't really remember anything. This is a nice in the background movie. A nice fun in the background movie, but if you are a Burt Reynolds fan, you're gonna you're gonna like this movie. If you're not a Burt Reynolds fan, you're probably really not going to get it. And if you're into really into films having plots, you're really not gonna like this movie. So it's just a fun Saturday afternoon movie. Nothing special. Not great. Not bad. Good. And uh, that's it. This is my second episode. I did my first episode on my Charles Bronson movie, Death Wish 2. This is my second episode on Hooper. And if you want to support this podcast or my other podcast, the Dan Aykroyd Podcast, you can visit my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Scott White, and then visit my website, scottyblanco.com, and that'll tell you 
everything you need to know about me, my Twitter page, my Instagram. Follow me on those. And I'll see you next time here on the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson Podcast. Look, I know we didn't get along in this picture. I also know you think I'm a tyrannical egomaniac. Well, maybe it's true. But films are tiny pieces of time. And we captured it. I only do it for one reason, to make the best movie I can. Because I'm a pro just like you. I'm also big enough to apologize. And I know you're big enough to accept. Roger, as usual, you're wrong. Always is the bad guy who gets it in the end. He's out there stopping horses or falling off a train. You never want a gunfight, squabble or a brawl. For being such a loser, Hooper's really got it all. You can toss him, blast him, flip him and turn him. Shoot him, hang him, bury him, burn him. Chances are Hooper's back for more. Run him out, cross the ground. Take a truck, run him down. He ain't easy. He's up and gone. You can hit him.